Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Not Your Mother's Housing Market, the podcast where we dissect and discuss emerging trends in today's housing market because a 21st century market requires 21st century strategies. I'm Katie Keaton, realtor with Realty One Group Pacifica, and I am joined by LaDonna Page, mortgage advisor and liabilities manager with CR Pacific Mortgage. We're back, baby. <laughs> we're back. We took what, a three week break? Three week break. And now we're back better yes. than ever. Super yes. exciting topic today. I cannot wait to get into it. <laughs> Do you agree? I agree. Do you want to tell everyone what we're speaking about today? So we're speaking about buying in a seller's market versus selling in a buyer's market. Yes. And I know that's kind of a tongue twister, a little yeah. brain teaser. But um, once we dig into it, it's going to be simple as pie. Absolutely. But before we dig into it... I'm going to play a little word from our sponsors. Okay. So as you know, you can listen to Not Your Mother's Housing Market on Kellett's Podcast Network at kellettspodcast.com. And so we're going to go ahead and do a little shout out to one of their sponsors. So here goes. Take control of your account and make interacting with Kellett's PUD easy with Smart Hub. Through Smart Hub, you'll be able to view detailed usage information, make a payment, enroll in programs, set account notifications, and much more. You'll also receive important news and information about Kellett's PUD and can quickly contact us with any issues regarding your service. You'll be able to put yourself in the driver's seat of your Kellett's PUD account. Smart management, smart life, smart hub. So LaDonna has this new toy that I want really bad before we get into any other discussions. Not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. What are you playing with right now? Hashtag not sponsored. Yet. I, yet. <laughs> yet. There you go. Yet. We're not sponsored yet. But uh, no, I'm playing with my new remarkable tablet. Kay. It's like you guys. So I don't really like technology that much. Like I'm a old-fashioned pen and paper girl I love my pen and paper <clears throat> and this is so cool because LaDonna's like oh I got a new toy so I don't have to like <laughs> use the pen and paper and I thought oh my gosh like my worst nightmare <laughs> but then she showed it to me and now I like need to have one it really feels it's a tablet it's a tablet with a little pen that comes with it yep and it really feels like you're writing on a piece of paper it really super does okay so <laughs> Here's my little, a little off topic, but here <laughs> we go. A little off topic. Here's my spiel. I have been like looking around my office and I'm just all of a sudden overwhelmed with notebooks. And I'm digging through notebooks trying to find that one note that I wrote down so many days ago, blah, blah, blah. Like I can't find it because all my notebooks look exactly the same. I use legal pads. And <laughs> it was driving me insane. So... Finally, I broke down and I bought the Remarkable and I love it because the only thing it does is black and white drawing or writing if you're if you want to be an artist or whatever, like some people use it for that. Um, it's beautiful. It takes my chicken scratch handwriting and it turns it into text typed out, looks very pretty and professional for all sorts of things. Um, it has cute little folders that I've created. I want for it. All I seriously I love it so much. As you're talking about <laughs> it, I'm like, I just want one so bad. <laughs> I need to get it. Um, okay, so after that. After that. <laughs> we're still talking about buyers and sellers markets. Yes, we're still talking about <laughs> buyers markets and sellers markets. Yes. So obviously, that is a very um, buzzwordy thing to talk about. Absolutely. I feel like you're, you could ask your child, like, Hey, 
what's one thing you know about the real estate market? And they'd be like, it's a seller's market. <laughs> right? Like, I genuinely think that is true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, especially my kid. <laughs> well, yes. Here's me talking about it all the time. Yes, our kids know that it's a seller's market, but our listeners' kids also probably know it's a seller's market because I feel like everybody knows it's a seller's market. But, you know, what goes up must come down. Mm-hmm. And it will not always be a seller's market. Nope. And it's starting to simmer down a little bit even as we speak. So, but, so I know we were going to talk about this elephant next week, but just to kind of teaser that out a little bit, mm-hmm. do you think that it's going to flip to a buyer's market? Or no. is this just a market correction? I think this is just a market correction. I um, think so also. Yes. I think <clears throat> stuff's starting to slow down a little bit, which we are going to talk about next week. We're just going to talk about what the emerging trends are yeah like we talk about in the uh intro to this podcast absolutely where we discuss and dissect emerging trends yes so we'll be talking about that next week um no i don't think it's going to flip immediately to a buyer's market but it's kind of a good exercise um when people are talking about the seller's market now you can't fully understand what a seller's market means without understanding what a buyer's market is. And then also it's like, okay, cool, it's a seller's market. Like, let's dig into the nuance of that and what it means for buyers, what it means for sellers, what the repercussions are, and just everything like that. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. All right. So, Katie, tell me, what is a seller's market? So a seller's market, I mean, it goes back to this normal economics. <clears throat> So a seller's market is when there are more buyers than there are houses for sale. So um, the supply is low for houses and the demand is high. Supply and demand, come on, we all know this. Um, But to dig into that a little bit further, um, in the real estate world, we say it's a seller's market if there are less than six months worth worth of inventory on the market at any given time. So what that means is like you could look in your local area and see how many houses are on the market. If no other houses came on the market anymore, like if it was that number, how long would it take for all those houses to sell? So a balanced market, honestly, it's a balanced market, is when there's six months worth of inventory. Like it would take six months for all of those houses to be gone and you to get to net zero houses for sale. And um, it's really low. Like for a while, we got down to less than a month of inventory. Right. So that's kind of what it means when realtors are talking about buyer's market versus seller's market. So yes, it's starting to cool down, but I don't think we're going to get anywhere near six months worth of inventory for a while. Right. Yeah. No, I, on our little break, I binged some of our episodes. (laughs) Not going to lie, I was working she on She missed <laughs> me. I missed you so much. I had to just listen to you every now and then. <laughs> no, I've been working on some deep cleaning in my house and just cleaning out stuff. And so it was fabulous to listen to and kind of retouch with where we're at and where we've come from. I mm-hmm. mean, we've been doing this. This is the 13th week, but the 11th podcast. Um And the market has changed a lot, even just in those 13 weeks. Totally. And in one of our episodes, you had said that in the last month, there had only been seven houses that hit the market. That's crazy. Right? That's so crazy. (laughs) That's wild. I can't even believe that. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I pulled a stat. I mean, I know it got so crazy for a little while. Yeah. And now, I mean, I can look on the MLS and it's like, 
one day, I think we had 15 new houses hit the market on one day. So it is definitely starting to even back out and I'm happy about it. And I can't wait to talk about it next week and kind of talk about those repercussions. But before we can get to that discussion, we need to, um, you know, talk about the different types of markets. Right. We just need to pick this a little, a bit. We need to pick this apart a little bit. (laughs) Sorry, I got a little twisted up there. You're fine. Also, um, we're both drinking coffee for this (laughs) episode. And um, first of all, I'm sorry if you hear me slurping because I just can't (laughs) stop drinking it when it's sitting in front of me. But if we seem a little squirrelier than usual. (laughs) And shout out to Jennifer Penfold at Country Financial because we both got free coffee certificates from her and that's where we treated ourselves from yes for some red leaf coffee yes local not sponsored, <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> also not sponsored um, okay so we talked about what a buyer's market is so let's reiterate again a buyer's market is when there is an oversupply of houses for the amount of buyers that are actively looking for a house right so there are more houses less buyers The buyers can actually take their time to look at houses. They're not in a rush. They have options. They can, you know, go back and look at the same house twice, and it probably won't be off the market. Right. You know. Um, The seller's market, (laughs) yes, which we all know very well right now, is that there are not enough houses for sale for the amount of people who are looking currently. So there's too many buyers for the amount of houses that are for sale. Right. So that's the quick, you know... In layman's terms, that's what it means. Yeah. What has been the montage of 2020 and 2021? It's low inventory and low workers. And low morale. (laughs) Understaffed Understaffed and low inventory have just been the the montage. We're low morale. (laughs) I'm doing great on my morale. Oh, Uh, good. But... like that translates into the grocery store, the gas station, whatever. Like mm-hmm. it also translates into the housing market. Yeah. Low, Low supply. Yeah. High demand. High demand. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, okay. We've talked about what it means. So let's talk about what creates a buyer's market versus a seller's market. So do you want to touch on that a little bit? Dig into that a little bit? Well, this again, inventory. Mm-hmm. So in a seller's market, your inventory is your houses. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough of them. Mm-hmm. But so, around. and on the flip side of that, there's a lot of buyers. So that means a right. lot of people are getting financing. A lot of people are getting pre-approved. It's easy to get loans. Right. Interest rates are low. Right. Correct. Correct. Okay. So then in a buyer's market, there's just not enough buyers Mm -hmm. for the amount of homes that are out there Mm -hmm. so the inventory kind of flips from is it the people or is it the the houses yeah so honestly we were talking about this earlier and it is true it's interesting like you know you think of a buyer's market as like oh we have so many houses and not enough people but really the not enough people is the huge deciding factor and the reason there's not enough buyers is because Usually what precipitates a buyer's market is that interest rates are really high. It's really hard to get loans. um, Loan requirements go up. Not as many people are able to be pre-approved. Right. Right? Yeah. So um, it's interesting because right now in the seller's market, we're seeing buyers leave the market. They're getting priced out. But the reason they're getting priced out is from the purchase price. 
And in a buyer's market, buyers get priced out by the interest rates. Pretty so, much. It goes into kind of your purchase power. Mm-hmm. If your interest rates are low and your your house prices are low, then then your purchase power is greater. You can buy more house for less money. And when your interest rates are higher, your purchase power goes down because you're paying more toward your interest rate than you are to your principal. Right. And so, you know, again, buyer's market versus seller's market. Seller's markets usually have high price tags for the houses, Mm -hmm. but low interest rates. Right. And buyer's markets have low price tags for the houses, but high interest rates. Right. So it can still be very expensive to buy in a buyer's market. And usually that's what creates so few buyers is really only like the cream of the crop buyers are able to purchase in a buyer's market. Right. And because of that, it drives prices down for the houses because there's just not enough buyers. Right. So kind of historically, home ownership across the United States, the population that owns homes is just right around 65% of us for the entire nation, almost always since the 70s. In 2005, it hit a high of 69%, but that's because your entry level to get into a home was really, really low. That was the kickoff of all of the predatory lending practices and that really kind of amped up and um, started the bubble burst that happened in 2008. Um, So you really saw a lot of um, regulations come in after that. And so now it's now we can't do the predatory things that the lending market used to do. Good, um, good, which good. Is good, good, good. <laughs> we're, you know, we're not able to give out certain rates and we have to make sure that everybody falls into the same kind of category mm-hmm. to make sure that everything is fair and even and we're not giving people too much that they can't handle it. Because totally. in 2008, when all of those foreclosures, I mean, foreclosures skyrocketed mm-hmm. to 81%. Right. And, <laughs> and so there was so many more houses, which had been a problem leading up into the 2008 crash. Right. But exactly for that reason, um, all these houses came on the market at the same time as lenders were really tightening up who they were allowing to get loans. Right. So it was kind of a double, like you got hit twice because all these people were losing their jobs and so they needed to sell their house. So there was a huge influx of inventory. But at the same time, because that had all started because of, you know, predatory lending and, you know, lending requirements being too lax, lending requirements um, tightened up so much that then there really wasn't very many people that could purchase the houses. Right. It was kind of like the CFPB came in and just overcorrected 100%. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, your your group of people that qualified for a loan dropped drastically. Right. Um, and now that's been evened out a little bit. Yeah. And we've hit a nice middle ground in my mind. You know, we're not, I can't lend you so much that you can't afford to eat anymore. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Honestly, though, I need to, like, not eat as much, so maybe. <laughs> maybe if my mortgage was a little higher, <laughs> I'd get less red leaves. Um, okay. Jennifer keeps playing us with cards. I know. 
Jennifer is such a gem. I love her. Anyone that needs insurance, Jennifer Penfold Country Financial, look her up. Absolutely. Okay, so we've talked about what buyer's market and seller's market are. We've talked about kind of what creates them. Yep. So then let's talk about what it means for a buyer or a seller. Okay. So it's kind of the mirror image of each other. Right. So right now, let's start with right now because we are definitely in a seller's market still. Correct. Even to this day, we are in a seller's market. So what does that mean for who has the power? The sellers have the power. Correct. Mm Mm-hmm. So kind of you, if you're a buyer, you are doing everything you can to make the seller happy. Right. So that means you're doing your highest bids offer. Maybe you're doing an appraisal gap document. Um, what was the other document that you guys were talking about in your office today? You know the name of it. Oh, an escalation clause. An escalation clause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't think sellers love escalation clauses, but they can. I don't know. Escalation clause. That's for another day. Do you want me to briefly describe it? (laughs) Yeah, just do a little. Okay. Escalation clause for anyone that wants to know is when you're a buyer and you want to put in your highest and best offer, but you're like, dang, I'm willing to do $30,000 over this asking price, but do I really need to do $30,000 over this asking price? Am I going to be the best offer by $20,000 and I'm going to feel real stupid if I am? So an escalation clause is saying like, okay, I'm going to offer you right now $10,000 over asking price, but I will go up to $30,000 over asking price by like $2,000 increments. So if you get an offer that is $20,000 over asking price, I will pay you $22,000 over asking price. If you get an offer that's $26,000 over asking price, I will pay you $28,000 over asking price, but I will not go higher than $30,000 over asking price. That is what an escalation clause is. They have pros. They have cons. We could do a whole episode on them. I love them. <laughs> They're very interesting to me. I love the politics that go into them. But oh, gosh, <laughs> so many politics. I think probably no. I was going to say one of but. the most divisive forms, but... I think there are probably more divisive forms. You can be. I think there's got to be a more divisive form. Than yeah, there are. You can clause. be very passive aggressive with your um, document writing as a realtor for sure. Yes. So, sure. but flip side of seller's market, when the buyer has control, is during a buyer's market, mm-hmm. and that is just because, again, there's just more houses than than buyers yeah. out there for sale. It's crazy. It's crazy from this end, thinking about what people do to get their offers accepted. I mean, we've talked about it before. People will offer you like, hey, I will give you my dirt bike. And then, you know, on the flip side, if it's a buyer's market, the sellers are doing the same thing. Yeah. When we, so funny story, sidebar, a little bit. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> we love we, for a squirrel moment. We, when we were looking for a house here in 2019, one of the houses we looked at, like, it was written into the paperwork that if you buy our house, you also get our pig. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's crazy, you know, as we were getting ready for this episode today, I was looking and pulling up all these articles from the last time there was a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting to see the advice that they were giving to sellers um, to get their houses ready to list. Yeah. Because it really is such a role reversal of what we're seeing currently. Um, you know, some of the parallels like right now, um, right now the buyers are really not asking for much of anything after the inspection report, right? Where they were telling sellers 
last time it was a buyer's market to get a pre-inspect, which almost never happens right now and fix everything. Like just fix everything. Just get ahead of it. Fix everything. Um, you know, <laughs> leave your pig, right? <laughs> <laughs> leave your lawnmower, throw in your washer and dryer, right. do anything you can to make your house stand out where right now when we're counseling buyers, it's like, you know, shorten your inspection period, get rid of any contingencies you can, be fine when they don't fix anything, overlook, you know, X, Y, and Z to make yourself seem like a desirable buyer. Right. It's kind of like who's going to set themselves up to be the shiniest? Mm -hmm. You know, when it's a buyer's market, the seller is setting themselves up to be Shiny. A shiny little gem. A shiny little crab, the, like in Moana. Right. Do you like Moana? Shiny. Oh my gosh. That's like, yes. <laughs> I can do yes. the whole song I right now. But <laughs> okay, different, okay. Different episode. That's the bonus. Um, that's the bonus features of the podcast. Yes. Um, but seriously, like, you know, the in a buyer's market, the seller is setting themselves up to look the best because mm -hmm. they want their house to stand out <laughs> out from all the other houses. Mm -hmm. And now where it's a seller's market, the buyer is the one dressing themselves up, trying to make themselves look the best. You know, I've got X amount of dollars in the bank. I've got, you know, I've got all this stuff lined up. I don't care yeah. if if we have an inspection. I don't care if we whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I'll pay your closing. Costs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's very interesting. And I think that it's really good for people who this is their first time in the market. Right. Or maybe they've always been in a seller's market. Um, or, you know, people that it's really their first time really digging into the market to understand that it's not always going to be like this. Right. There are ebbs and flows. Um, what goes up must come down, like I said earlier. And um, it's okay to, like, ride the waves of the different markets. Right. Also, as you said, you were um, binging our podcast, which <laughs> which I recommend all of you to do. Yes. Um, While you're deep cleaning your house, please binge. Yes, please. <laughs> or anything else you do. <laughs> please binge listen to Not Your Mother's Housing Market, available on streaming platforms and on Cowlitzpodcast.com. Yes. Actually, that's what I was working on last night was uploading it to different yes, girl. platforms. See, she's the brains of the operation for sure. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. I'm very smart as well. <laughs> um. But as you were binging it, I would be so interested to hear our podcasts on um, how to get ready to sell your house mm -hmm. and how to get your ducks in a row to purchase a house. Yeah. Because that advice is going to be so different in a few years than how it was when we right. did those podcasts. Yeah. Even it's really fun for, for me when I went back to see, you know, 13 weeks ago when we started this podcast, how different the market was. Oh, my when, gosh. It's you know, so different. I might have said it earlier, but you had mentioned in a podcast that seven houses hit the market in one month. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> that is so crazy to think about. And I do think it's so interesting, this podcast, because we started it really at the very, very peak of the market. Yeah. We started it when it was like, you can't be more of a seller's market. So it's fun to be doing this podcast as it like, you know, changes. But that's what we wanted to talk yeah. about was the changes. Was exactly. The emerging trends. And that's where we're talking emerging about the new trends. elephant. Next yes, week. the elephant. That's what we call it when the market changes. The elephant. Yes. In the room. 
the elephant in the room. Um, okay, so yes, it is just insane. But um, so like we said, it's kind of a role reversal when you're buying in a seller, selling in a buyer's, you know. Mm-hmm. But another interesting thing about it is, okay, almost never is it an even playing field, you know. No. So some people think, okay, well, I'm going to wait to buy for a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to wait to sell for a seller's market. It's not the right time for me. I need the market to change, which first of all, it's very hard to predict. I would say impossible to predict. Right. Um, but second of all, it does have repercussions as you're like trying to climb the property ladder or get on the property ladder. There are pros and cons to doing so during the different types of markets. Right. Katie, do you know when the best time to buy a house is? Tell me. Last year. <laughs> oh, I should have known. know when the second best time is? I known. <laughs> right now. Right now. I knew, right I knew now. it walked because into that one. You call it a property letter. I use a train all the time. <laughs> it's it's essentially the same thing. You're moving forward, moving up, whatever. Yeah. Um, But it just doesn't stop moving. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if you get on it right now or you wait to get on it. It's not going to stop moving. Mm -hmm. And there will be times that you go through some valleys. Right. But then you're going to (laughs) start heading up a peak. Right? Yes. So um, it is interesting because, like we talked about, um, you might be able to get financed right now in this seller's market for a house that has a higher dollar amount. But the reason there's so many buyers is because it's easy to get a loan. You can you can apply for a loan and receive funds. The interest rate is reasonable. You have a lot of purchasing power. And if you wait for a buyer's market, sure, the prices are going to go down, but will you qualify for a loan? Right, your interest rates go up. But Mm -hmm. also, like, inflation is real. Right. Um, And and prices continue to go up. Mm -hmm. They will drop slightly, but, Mm -hmm. but it's not a lot by any means right well and you get what I'm saying like I have so many people that are like okay we're just gonna wait for the next buyer's market and there are situations where if you don't have to buy right now and you want to wait I'm happy to tell my buyers like yeah let's just wait let's just see what happens if you know do you want to know when the last buyer's market was in 2009 (laughs) (laughs) that's when it ended (laughs) it was 2009 it started in 2008 and it ended in 2009 yeah but so I mean, I would think locally it was a buyer's market really up until like 2016. You think so? Yeah, I do. All right. I, I don't know. I wasn't here that year. So yeah, I would say we're not paying. I would say it was still a buyer's <laughs> market here locally in our area, probably until, until like 2016. Um, okay. Maybe not. Maybe not really an official buyer's market, but it was much easier to purchase a house and you had options. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Um. But anyway, yeah, there are, obviously, there are pros to waiting until the price goes down on the house you want to buy, but there are cons because it still might, your mortgage might still be just as much. Right. Or, you know, situations may have changed and you can't qualify for the loan. Right. And as the, as the interest rate ticks up and the Fed is predicting that they're going to start walking it up by the end of this year, Mm -hmm. and I know we've already seen it go up a bit, but, um... February, we were handing out 2%. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not anymore. <laughs> um, but that, as it goes up, your purchase power goes down. You can mm-hmm. purchase less house for the same amount of dollars as you can 
when the interest is low. Yeah. And so then on the flip side, you know, sometimes it's, it's okay to buy during a seller's market. It's obviously, you know, buying during a buyer's market. That's great. That's ideal. But it's okay to buy during a seller's market where you get into a little bit more trouble is selling during a buyer's market. Yeah. So you want to, if you want to sell your house, if you don't want to live in your house for the next five years, like now's the time to sell your house. Honestly, it's still a seller's market. There's still plenty of people that want to buy it. You're not going to have to have it on the market for three months and, you know, have showings interrupt your life all the time and all that stuff. Um, It's the time to sell your house. It really is because the stakes are a little bit higher when you're selling your, trying to sell your house during a buyer's market. Yeah. Especially because, you know, when you are buying, most of the time you have other options. Right. You can rent. I mean, the rental market right now is absolutely insane. Maybe you can't rent, but, um, you know, you can try to rent. rentals is horrible. Yeah. There are other options. Most of the time you don't like seriously have to buy. Sometimes you have to buy, but most of the time there are workarounds. If you lose your job... You have to sell your house. If you are being relocated to another state, well, I guess you could rent your house, but, you know, you have to sell your house. If you have completely outgrown your house and you need to purchase something else, you have to sell your house most of the time. So there's higher stakes involved, and um, it is scarier to sell your house during a buyer's market. Yeah, because you go into those contingencies and those things that – you just may not be able to work around. Um, you know, when you're selling in a buyer's market, you're going to sit there for a minute and not have as many options out there. Um, and in 2008, when things were getting foreclosed on, is because people were losing their jobs left and right. Um, and, you know, and that's what drove the foreclosures through the roof. And that's what made that's what turned a whole lot of properties into investment properties is because some people were still out there able to come in swoop up houses that had been foreclosed on for a super low price and then turn them for a pretty penny yeah exactly exactly and I see a lot right now people that are saying I don't want to sell my house because I also have to buy but I would argue that being contingent during a seller's market, having to buy during a seller's market and sell during a seller's market is less of a risk than wanting to move up the property ladder during a buyer's market when you also have to sell your house. Ooh, that's a really good point. I really think that's true. Because the thing is that if you, if you right now in this seller's market want to sell your house, and purchase something else. The scary thing is that if your house sells too fast before you can find something, you might be in between houses for a month or two. Mm-hmm. Most people can make it work. It's hard. It's scary. It's a um, it's a risk you're taking. But that's the worst thing that's going to happen is you might have to find like a short term rental or you might have to like you know move in with the in laws for like a month. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to move up the property ladder during a buyer's market, you might get under contract with a house that you're purchasing and end up with two mortgages because you can't sell your house. Yeah. And that, to me, 
is I much know scarier. people that this has happened to. That's much scarier. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, you know, right now people are like, Ugh, I know it's a seller's market, but I also have to buy a house. So I don't want to buy right now. But that's where it comes back to, like, this whole name of this Weigh episode. Your options. <laughs> yeah, the whole name of this episode is, like, buying in a seller's market versus selling in a buyer's market. And honestly, the risk and, like, the pain points of moving up the property ladder, buying a house right now, and selling your old house, like, your house is probably going to sell. That's the easy part. The purchasing is the little bit harder part. But that's much less risky than the other situation where you're like trying to move up the property ladder in a buyer's market and you have to sell your house and purchase a new house and your house might not sell right because at that point not only are you making two mortgage payments mm -hmm. but you are also trying you have to qualify right with both of those mark those mortgages because right. whatever debt you currently have when i write a loan today that's contingent, mm -hmm. it says you are selling this house, so we're paying it off prior to purchasing this one. So that one's not taken into account your debt-to-income ratio mm -hmm. with both houses. Right. But if you're in a buyer's market where you get stuck with two mortgages because mm -hmm. you purchased your house but you haven't sold your last one, mm -hmm. then you, your debt-to-income has to have both mortgages on it right and that drops your buying power right <laughs> because, or, because i cannot dump all of my eggs mm -hmm. into this one basket i have to split them between two yeah exactly or you know you're contingent and you but you still have to sell your house well right now you can write a contingent offer and instead of having a 30-day close maybe you have a 45-day close you have a two-month close you have a 60-day close but you're going to get i mean Obviously, there's exceptions to the rules, but you're going to get the house you're selling under contract within two weeks or a month if you right. price it right. Right. Like, you can purchase that. If you get under contract with contingent, like, you're going to be able to sell your house. Right. But you might have, like, a 90, 120-day close if you just, like, keep not finding a buyer for the house you're selling during yeah. a buyer's market. Yeah. So, Wild. It's crazy. So Just something to think about. All you people that are like, oh, well, I can't sell right now because I have to buy right now. It's like you're going to want to do both of those things at the same time right now much more than you're going to want to do those in three years when or How three many years. years? In three years. I'm just throwing out a number. In however Did many years. Did you guys years. know Katie has a crystal ball? <laughs> I have a crystal ball. I really don't. She can predict the future. No. So, I mean, those are the stakes. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to be at? Is it better to be in a buyer is it better to be a buyer in a seller's market or a seller in a buyer's market? I personally would argue it's better to be a buyer in a seller's market. I I agree also, especially when you're doing something contingent. Mm -hmm. You typically will have a lower interest rate. Mm -hmm. um, getting a loan is going to be easier. Yep. And, you know, house prices, yes, you might get dips along the way, but eventually you're going to be back in the green. Yeah. So it's less risky. Yeah. You will eventually have equity in your house. Again, I don't have a crystal ball, but I almost don't even think you need a crystal ball to say that. Uh, no, but <clears throat> because I honestly have never run into somebody that was like, man, I wish I would have sold my house sooner. Right. Everybody wants to hang on to it for as long as possible because 
Well, they just keep going up in value. That's the reason it's a very safe investment. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yes, I would say I would. I personally would rather be a buyer in a seller's market. I would also. Yeah, because if you're a seller in a buyer's market, like you are just at the mercy. Yeah. And most of the time, if you need to sell in a buyer's market, you need to sell your house. Yep. And you are going to be running yourself ragged trying to get your house perfect. And it's much easier to, like, write a good offer, save a little bit of money. It's easier to get ready, like, to make your offer really good in a buyer's market than it is to, like, get your house in pristine condition because houses are not usually in pristine condition. No. No, they're not. Yeah. I mean, not that finances are all the time either, but, like, We've kind of been having these halftime phone calls with clients who've been, you know, shopping for a house for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I have one that was, you know, we're like, what, four offers in on right now? Yeah. And, and it, you know, but we're still having these halftime conversations with these people. And the one thing that I kind of just keep pushing out there is, yeah, I know you've been searching for a house for four months, but you've also been able to put away four months more of savings right. to beef your your offer up with and so it does still give you a good edge. it builds on itself yeah it builds on itself it's it does compounding it does. impacts yes exactly. <laughs> but yeah so do you have anything else you would like to cover on this topic i think that is about the end of it and then next week we're out with our elephant in the room <laughs> Elephant a in new, the room is the market a is changing. New emerging trend. Yes. Of the market is slowing down a little bit. I can't wait to talk about it. Honestly, I could talk about it all day long. Right. But that's and, why we do this podcast. Yes. We could talk about this all day long. And I feel like these are good ones because LaDonna and I, while we mostly agree, there are certain things about it that it's like, I think it'll be an interesting conversation. I think it will too. I do. I really do. Um, thank you for joining us for episode 11 of Not Your Mother's Housing yes. Market. And that wraps up this week's episode. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at notyourmothershousingmarket.com. <laughs> <laughs> follow us on Instagram at Not Your Mother's Housing Market. LaDonna has been actually posting on there. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> um, we'll give you reminders from when new episodes are out and also just some fun behind the scenes moments. So check us out there and make sure to remember that you can always email us at notyourmothershousingmarket at gmail.com. Yes. You can email us um, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer off of the episode. If you'd have any questions that you'd like us to discuss further on the episode, if you just want to connect with us and take us out to red leaf (laughs) we are there for you so send us an email if you would like and with that i'm katie keaton realtor with realty one group pacifica and i'm ladonna page mortgage advisor and liabilities manager with sierra pacific mortgage and that is our episode